This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 34 is brought to you by No Nonsense Forex Trading Psychology, the best book you will ever read. It is one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated psychology book on all of Amazon Kindle. People have told me they have read it five times. People also say it applies to far more than just Forex trading, which I agree with. But if you just need a book to read and you like the way I talk and you like the way I write on the blogs, then you will like this book. So check it out anywhere Amazon Kindle exists. It is called No Nonsense Forex Trading Psychology. We do not have plans right now to put it in hardcover. That will probably come towards maybe the end of this year. So don't wait. Get it now. Link down below in the description. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. And uh, any time I make a prediction that either comes true or starts to come true, I do like to talk about it for a couple reasons. One, you know, we are talking about investing in the future. I would hope that whatever source you draw from is correct sometimes. And I said a couple of years ago that I think the 2020s are going to be crazy and not in a good way. I said, I think you're going to see financial conflict, which we're already seeing the beginning of. We will see actual conflict because countries are going to get desperate and America no longer protects everybody the way they used to. Now, what I'm about to tell you is really straight out of the Peter Zion playbook. Um, if you like geopolitics at all, he has to be on your team in some way, shape, or form. He is brilliant. He changed the way I think on a lot of things. And the more and more research I do and the more that these events unfold, the more he is absolutely dead on correct. And what he said is there's a very unholy trilogy going on right now. Not only does the United States really not give a shit about 98% of the countries out there, you know, unless your name's Canada, Mexico, South Korea, Japan, Australia, maybe Singapore, and UK, eventually, then you're kind of on your own now. And we are seeing the whole deck kind of reshuffle. We're seeing the Middle East kind of pick teams for the future, which is weird. Like Israel is making friends with countries you would never think they'd make friends with. Uh, but again, the chessboard is getting reorganized. Now, on top of this, demographically, most countries are aging, and they're aging in a very bad way. And when you age, you you as a country have a really hard time making money because the young people spend all the money. The old people not only don't spend a lot of money, you typically have to pay for them to stay alive. And people are staying alive a lot longer to boot. And the majority of countries out there are getting older at a faster rate than they are getting younger. Demographically, there's only a few countries that are actually in good shape here, like Mexico, India, you know, a few countries in Africa. Most people are not doing very well. The United States is kind of in the middle. They're not great, but they're not bad. But China, Russia, Japan, almost all of Europe just about, you know, they are in some bad shape from this demographic standpoint. And it's not sustainable. Moves will have to be made. Now add in the looming energy crisis, which we have talked about here before. And just for a bonus, add in all of the money and time and resources lost due to COVID restrictions. 
countries are going to get desperate and they are going to have to make moves. Now, they couldn't do this back when America was protecting everybody. But before that, if you needed something and your neighboring country had it and you were bigger and stronger than them, you would just simply go take it. I mean, it sounds absolutely barbaric by today's standards, but this is what we're going to start to revert back to. You are going to see conflicts in areas you are not used to seeing conflicts in. And if I was making a prediction, I would say Russia and China are going to be the ones kicking this off. And we are already seeing that now with places like Ukraine, Taiwan, uh, Kazakhstan, to a degree. Uh, Now, what I said before about the whole aging population, this is really, really applying to Russia and China especially China, because of the whole one-child policy. They really did themselves in with that, and they know it. And they would have probably done more before. But I think right now, the two leaders of those countries smell blood in the water. I think Russia and China both realize that they're going to start making moves, that their time is now. You have to understand, too, a lot of Russia and China's conflicts are internal. On top of both of those countries having very, very shitty geography that needs to improve somehow as the years go on. They need W's. And I think that they feel like they can get them now. Now, as I said before, I think they've both done a very good job when it comes to hoarding resources and things like gold. You know, you can win a lot of wars without firing a shot. And I think that's a big part of what they're trying to do. Wars are expensive. Nobody wants them. And if you can get your W's without firing shots, then that's going to be the way to go. But I still think they see an opportunity. And both of their actions would suggest this. And again, there are still other places in the world where you can see this very thing simply because of the lack of energy resources. Almost every war we've seen in our lifetimes has been because of oil. Even the ones we didn't realize were about oil at the time. Pearl Harbor was about oil, for Christ's sakes. You think the Japanese wanted to provoke the United States into joining the war on the Pacific Front? No. It's suicide. But they had no choice. They were running out of fuel. You know, so there are a host of reasons why things really might start popping off in a bad way. And this episode is going to be about how to capitalize on those things. Now, I fully, fully understand. If this is something you do not want to take part in from a morality standpoint, I totally get it. I'm a bit conflicted here myself, Uh, but I also do know that the big funds out there are going to be going this direction, and if you would like to join them, we need to talk about the direction they're likely to head. You know, it's going to happen anyway. Now, maybe we'll start with the not-so-obvious, but even wars that have been directly or indirectly about oil have all over time, if it's a prolonged conflict, caused the price of oil to go up. Why? Wars are very energy intensive. Demand goes up a lot. And even though a lot of the conflicts, I think, in the 2020s are at least going to start out as more of kind of a strategic, you know, a little chess move here and there. We threaten this, we pull back type of, you know, back and forth. But even the speculation of a possible full-blown conflict is going to send oil higher. You know, there are so many bull cases for oil right now, I couldn't even list them off the top of my head. And now some people are conflicted in investing in oil companies because they're dirty, they've done some dirty things in the past, they feel like they're contributing to the problem. I say you're actually contributing to the solution because the reason we're in this mess to begin with, as far as right now goes, is because so much money has been taken out of the oil sector. It needs to go back in. 
You know, it all went into green technology that doesn't work yet. Uh, So in terms of everything we've talked about already on this podcast, ETS that track the price of oil, oil producers, oil services, I think are all in play here. Now, what is... What do wars do to overall economies? Well, initially they fall because people panic. But historically, at least, they have seemed to recover fairly quickly. And oil does have an unusual correlation to the actual stock market, especially recently. So this might just be something to be mindful of if a full-blown conflict does happen. You may see the price drop initially, um, but that's not going to scare me off any of my oil stocks. You know, because there's always that initial panic. Now, turning it over to ETFs, um, it's a bit weird here because there's only a couple choices in North America, and they are heavily tilted into companies that make the war machines, mainly the ones that fly. And they have to be a bit careful here because they also throw in aerospace, which is planes, but it's also things like rocket ships and space shuttles. And I kind of wish it wasn't that way, but maybe they do that just to take the pressure off of them a little bit from a PR standpoint. I don't know. Uh, But there are two main ones out there, and the first one is from BlackRock, and it's going to be the iShares U.S. Aerospace and Defense ETF, ticker symbol ITA. Now, this is the one I personally prefer. Again, I'm not a financial advisor. Don't do anything I say. Um, This is more heavily into actual defense, and it looks like the big money hasn't quite front-ran this yet. If you look at what it's done over the past 12 months, it's kind of gone a whole lot of nowhere. As always, check the holdings, and certainly check the holdings in this other one, which may intrigue you. Uh, There is an actual spider for defense. It is ticker symbol XAR. You know, a little bit more space, the Final Frontier type stuff in this particular ETF than I would personally like. Uh, But if you look over a 12-month period, you are getting a bit more of a discount here. This one has gone down as the market has gone down to where the other one has not. Now, unfortunately, and as I think you should probably expect, there is not going to be an option for people in Europe or Australia because most of these defense contractor companies are from the United States. Now, the good news here is there's only about 10 or 15 companies out there that pretty much do everything. So like we talked about in episode 31, you can unpack these and take some of these companies and wrap them into your own personal ETF by taking one position and dividing it three or four ways. Um, Because these stocks pretty much all go up and down together, especially when conflicts occur. So people outside of North America can certainly take part in this as well. It just takes a bit more work on your end. I will even help the process along by providing you a link down in the show notes of the top 20 defense contractors in the world. You are probably going to see about 98% of all the business being done in these 20 companies. And now again, look, I do understand that people might feel a bit strange about making money off of something that has the potential to be quite terrible. But if protecting ourselves and giving ourselves the financial capital and the agility to get up and move should things get really bad, simply by understanding where the puck is going and then going there ourselves, you know, people might call us crazy for doing that, and maybe we are crazy in this particular situation. But if we are going to be crazy, we may as well be early. <laughs> 